You're listening to The Frequency of Creativity with Melinda Harkerley. Welcome everyone to The Frequency of Creativity, where we are at the intersection of energy and art. I'm your host, Melinda Harkerley, and to see how art can energize and bring light into your life, sign up for my newsletter at melindaharcurley.com. Today, I am very proud to host my friend, Dr. Marika Taconi, Distinguished Professor of Musicology at the Pennsylvania State University. Welcome, Mar. Hi, thank you so much. This is great. We're so glad you could join us today. And first of all, congratulations on recently being named a distinguished professor. And I just want to read from the press release how prestigious an award that is. So in the press release, it says, distinguished professors are acknowledged leaders in their fields of research or creative activity demonstrate significant leadership in raising the university standards in teaching, research, or creative activity and service and exhibit excellent teaching skills. So, Mar, I'm just so proud of you. It's such an honor. Well, thank you. Hopefully, I'm not blushing too much, but I'm just thrilled. And I I just found out uh, a few days ago, so I'm really excited. Thank you so much, Melinda. Well, and Mar, I'm not going to reveal your age, but you have to be one of the youngest faculty members to be named a distinguished professor. Um, I don't know for for sure, but I've been <laughs> I've been on the faculty for 24 years, actually, which is astonishing. Um, doesn't seem possible. But I've been here since '98, so it's been a long time. But thank well, you, yeah. Mar. Where I want to start is. What exactly is musicology? So musicology is kind of a fancy word for music history. Um, It's a music historian who spends a lot of time researching music. Um, So music history obviously is the field of looking at music in a a historical way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And musicology looks at music in a historical way with um, a strong research component. Okay. Then, Mark, share with us what your area of interest is and what your what is your area of research. And the reason I'm asking this is because later on in the podcast, we'll see how your research interest directly influences your painting. And the title of our talk today is The Influence of music on painting. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so um, there are three music historians here at Penn State, and I'm the early person. So I teach classes in pretty much everything before 1700. So that would include medieval, Renaissance, and Baroque music. In terms of my research specifically, my main field of interest is... um, Uh, late Renaissance and early Baroque, uh, and especially the cities of Florence and Venice, where I have spent quite a bit of time. So so primarily 16th and 17th century, although I go into the early 18th century as well. 
and I work a lot with manuscripts. I like to look at primary sources, so music manuscripts that in some cases have not been looked at, have not been studied. Mm-hmm. And what I really love to do is to bring this music back to concert halls to be able to inspire um, people today in concert venues and also, of course, inspire my students in, in my own teaching. And Mar, I want to talk a lot more about this and how actually you have unearthed um, 300 or older manuscripts and they've been performed in Venice. But we're going to have to take a short break. And before we do, Mar, can you share with us where our audience can see your paintings and find out more about you? Yes, absolutely. So I have a Facebook page. And um, if audiences want to just um, put in my name, Marika Taconi in Facebook, um, Marika Taconi Artist specifically in Facebook, or just Mar Taconi Art in Facebook. And I have uh, photographs of all of my paintings, and I have lots of information about my process and things like that. Great. Great. Well, everyone, please stay with us. And when we come back, we'll talk more about how music influences painting and specifically how Mar um, takes her research and active work with um, Baroque manuscripts and the form of Baroque music, which I there's a lot I didn't know about and how it directly relates to Mar's abstract painting. So please stay with us. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. We're back with the Frequency of Creativity, where we are at the intersection of energy and art. We're talking with Mar Tacconi. And Mar, can you, t- can you share with us a little bit about Baroque music and the structure of it, which was so interesting to me, and I didn't have any idea about this. Well, I love to talk about this. So if I go on, <laughs> if I go on too long, just uh, let me know. <laughs> oh, just uh... oh, that's one of my favorite topics, obviously. So uh, when we think about Baroque music, we're looking at music that begins around 1600 and goes to about 1750. So most people will have heard of late Baroque composers like Vivaldi and Bach and maybe Handel. Um, I work on composers from the earlier part of the Baroque, so 17th century as opposed to early 18th century. And what happens around 1600 is, is really fascinating to me because there is a real shift that happens. So until around 1600, uh, music was, we call it polyphonic in texture, which means that there were multiple lines of music that were happening at the same time. What happens around 1600 is that there's a major shift in all of this. And all of a sudden, the preferred texture is something called monody. And monody means one melody 
with a baseline. Okay. And so that leaves a lot of room for interpretation, for improvisation, for adding to the music, especially in terms of what happens in the middle of the vocal line and the bass line. And so when we look at, you know, this um, major shift that happens, I'm, it just fascinates me because all of a sudden composers and musicians are thinking about music in a very different way. Um, and they're able to interpret music in a more personal way by adding to those bass notes that are just there as a foundation, essentially. So, Mar, help me. Um, so, as I'm understanding that there's that the musicians are improvising, that not everything is completely written in stone before they perform. And that is it a stretch to say it might be a little bit like jazz and that there's some improvising with the music? There is some improvising. There's also some kind of filling in, which is maybe a little bit short of true improvisation. Okay. So, um, so for example, you know, um, again, the common texture would be to have a baseline and mm -hmm. a vocal line. And the idea is that above this baseline, the performers would, would add chords, would we call it realize the bass or add chords. So that's where kind of the filling in the blanks comes in. Okay. So when you think about that, the score, the musical score serves um, kind of as an outline more than anything else. Okay. And that's where we do have some parallels with jazz in the 20th and 21st centuries, because in jazz as well, you know, we have kind of a skeleton mm -hmm. and then the jazz musicians are responsible for improvising on that foundation, on that skeleton. So there are certainly some parallels between what happens in uh, the Baroque in the early 17th century and what happens uh, with jazz even today. Okay. And then, um, and then I'm looking for those of you, um, and now we're on YouTube. So for anyone listening on the podcast, you can also watch us visually on YouTube. And Mar, you have behind you one of your abstract paintings. And what I'm trying to lead into here is the relationship between Baroque music and this filling in as you term it, and also abstract painting. And Mar, you and later we'll talk about how, you know, you started being interested in music at a very, very young age. And then you started painting maybe six years ago. So, you know, in looking at your abstract art, there's a direct correlation there. So can you talk about how Baroque music led to your abstract painting and the connection there. Yeah, so when I paint, I feel like I'm almost improvising. So my paintings are not structured or not thought out. They're very stream of consciousness, almost rhapsodic, mm -hmm. um, very intuitive. So I, we all have friends who are painters and they paint 
by planning the painting. You know, they sit down and they maybe sketch things out or they think about where they're going. And I really don't. I prefer not to undergo that process. And so in that sense, I think there is a parallel with what happens in Baroque music with this element of kind of filling in, of adding something that is your own and not something that is firmly structured, that is firmly given. Um, so I find the process very freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I do a little bit of performance. I'm a musical a music historian, but I do have a background in piano and harpsichord as my instruments. So I know that, you know, when you perform in music from this period, from the Baroque, there is this kind of um, element, very personal element that a musician can add. And again, the music is just a point of departure. What is in the score is a point of departure. And then as a musician, as a performer, you're able to add to that foundation. And for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see Mars painting. And Mars, your painting is free. It's loose. And I love the word you use, rhapsodic, because Mm -hmm. it is. So yeah. more- I actually, sorry, I actually have a painting that I entitled Rhapsody in Blue mm-hmm. um, because it is, it's a blue painting that mm-hmm. is just lots of quick brush strokes. Um, and the one you're seeing for those of you who are able to view the painting, uh, this one is like that as well in the sense that I use palette knife, I use very quick strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a quick painting. Some paintings can take forever, but this one was a 30 minute painting. You know, it just kind of came about very, very quickly, very rapidly as if I was improvising, um, very rhapsodic again. Yes. Yeah. You're definitely in the flow. <laughs> yeah. Shows. I was in the flow. I was in the flow and I was listening to Baroque music. Well, that was going to be my next question. Okay. Do you listen to music while you paint? Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I'm home, especially painting in my home studio, I have a nice stereo system and I put on CDs or I stream the music from my phone onto the good speakers. And uh, my go-to music that I listen to is uh, mostly Baroque music from Venice. I have a sound, a sound list that includes Uh, a lot of favorite works from that period, from that city. And I really get into the flow, into the soundscape. And that helps me create. I think as I internalize the sound, it helps me externalize the movement of the brush and palette knife. And and I think you can see that in this yes. painting and others, you know, that there is that very free element that, that comes through. Mar, are you able, and you might not be able to answer this question and that's fine because it may be so instinctual, you may not be aware that when you're painting and when you are listening to the music, where are you? Hmm. Where am I? That's a very good question. Um, and you I might not am... be able to answer it. And that's yeah, why. sure. No, let me think about that for a second. Well, I, I feel like I, I lose, uh, I lose a sense of time. 
um, often I, I am so absorbed by the music and the painting process that I lose track of time and space, if that makes any sense. It does. It's almost like being in a trance, not that I, that's probably too strong of a word, but you know, I mean, I know where I am, but at the same time, I'm not fully in that space. I'm transported somewhere else. And I feel that some of my more successful paintings have been the ones where I think as little as possible, uh, where my mind almost shuts off and something else takes over. And I'm not sure what that something else is. Perhaps it is energy. Perhaps it is, um, you know, something subconscious that really comes through. And I like to be transported in a place like Venice, which is a city in Italy that I love, where I have spent quite a bit of time that is very dear to what I do professionally, mm-hmm. but also that speaks to me as a person and as an artist. I am very drawn to that city. So I think the music helps me internalize the light, the feelings, the emotions that I feel when I'm in Venice. If that makes sense. It does. It mm. does. And more like, and you answered a question before I was going to ask it. And I love how you said that you feel that your most successful paintings are ones that you're deeply embedded in the process and you're so present in the process that you're not that fully aware of your external environment that you're so deeply in the music and the energy of Venice and the energy of the painting that it just, it's a gift. Yeah. Well, thank you. I don't know about gift, but it is a gift. I will say that. Okay, well, you you can say that. Thank you. But it, it feels very natural when it happens. It feels like I'm just in the flow and it's just part of me. And it's taking that energy and transporting it onto the canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's hard to describe, but it's definitely part of part of this process that I enjoy so much. And I think part of why I also enjoy it is because a lot of times what I do professionally in my research as a scholar is very exact. It's very meticulous. Um, It's very painstaking, you know, I mean, comparing notes and looking at little details. And so painting and listening to music as I paint feels very free. Mm -hmm. And it takes me out of what I do otherwise professionally. And I mean, I love what I do professionally, don't take me wrong, but it is a very different side of me. It's a very exact, meticulous, detail-oriented side versus this other side, which is very free, again, very improvisatory, very rhapsodic in nature. And you can see that for those of you who are watching on YouTube, that is so evident in the painting. 
that is behind you, Mar. So, Mar, let's go back to your uh, initial calling to music. And I just, because we're friends, I just happen to know that happened at a very young age. So the feeling that you're describing with painting now, is that how you felt as a child with music when it first came to your life? Well, uh, what's interesting, I think, is that my first approach to music was as a composer. (laughs) Uh, So we had a little upright piano. I grew up in central Italy and my mom is American. My dad is Italian. And we had a piano that was handed down to us, I think. Um, And one of my first memories, musical memories, is me going to the piano and asking my parents, do you want a sad song or a happy song? And they would say, oh, how about a a happy piece? And then I would, at the age of six or seven, um, sit down at the piano and make up a happy piece or a sad piece or whatever emotion they would offer me. Um, And so I think my parents realized that I was drawn to music, that I had... Uh, interest in that top in that field and so then I started taking piano lessons at the age of six or seven Um, and piano was my main instrument for many many years was what I did for a long time and but it's interesting that you know that kind of being drawn to the more creative side to the compositional side of music was maybe the first element of my profession that drew me in. So Mar, take us. So, um, and uh, so you, you experienced this early interest in playing happier, sad songs for your parents on this <laughs> small piano. You took piano lessons and then you came to the U S to the Interlochen uh, in Michigan school for the arts. Yes, yes. At age 15, I left Italy and I went to the Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan, um, which is a a boarding school. It's a college prep plus arts school and loved it there. I was there for the last three years of high school. And my two majors, aside from academics, of course, were music composition and piano performance. Um, And I loved it because it was a very international school with friends from all over the place, all over the the world. Mm. Um, And then I went to college. uh, I went to Williams College in Massachusetts with the idea of pursuing piano performance and composition at the college level. And then second semester freshman year, I took the pre-1750 music history class, which is pretty standard for a music major. In fact, it's a class that I teach now here at Penn State. And something just clicked. It was like this whole new world of sound that I was not familiar with, that all of a sudden just drew me right in. Um, So I continued with composition and with piano, but music history became more of my focus. Um, and then went on and got a PhD in music history as well. Yeah. And you got your PhD at Yale, which is very prestigious as well. I, I was there for uh, six, well, it depends how you count, about six years. But I had two of those years in Florence to do research. 
So only four years in New Haven and two years in uh, in Florence. Well, and one of the years you were in Florence, um, and tell me the name of the school, but it's the Harvard Center for uh, Musical Studies in Florence. Um, well, that was after I came to Penn State that okay. I applied for a fellowship and I was selected. It was a postdoctoral fellowship and I was selected by um, it's called Villa Itati, the Harvard Center for Italian Renaissance Studies. And it's an interdisciplinary research center uh, where you can go and be in residence for about a year and work on a project. So that was one year. Uh, I was in Florence previously for two years as a graduate student, and that was just for research toward my dissertation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Mar, in listening to you talk, um, it's fascinating to me how interwoven your music and art is, because some people look at abstract art and think it's total randomness mm, and it's not. It's There's not. a structure within abstract art. And then as you said, there's a structure and then a freedom of movement. And yes. that seems the same with Baroque music as well. There's yeah. a basic structure but there's also fluidity and flexibility as what you said with the filling in. Yeah. So when I look at your abstract art and listen to your love of Baroque music, they seem so integrated to me. Yeah. I love that, Melinda. You know, I hadn't really thought about that connection until we talked, but I think it's absolutely there. You're, you're so right. I mean, there is structure in abstract art. It has to be there or the painting doesn't work. Right. And you see that in your own work. I see it in my own work. It has to be there for the paint to work. Right. Um, but within that structure, there's a lot of freedom, right? There's a freedom of color, of movement, of texture, of, um, just, you know, the way the painting flows. Uh, and, you know, people who have seen my work have described it at times as having rhythm and yes. having and having texture yes. and having harmony. And yes. those are musical words. <laughs> mm -hmm. Those are words that first and foremost apply to music, you know, harmony, rhythm, texture. Um, and so I, I just love that, you know, to me, that's the biggest compliment when someone says to me, Oh, I see rhythm in your music, or I see <laughs> harmony in your music, in your, excuse me, in your paintings. Yeah, right. You know, I just really love that. Um, so yes, I think what you describe makes so much sense, right? That there is this foundation of structure, and you see that in music and you see that in abstract art. And then like in Baroque music, there is this element of freedom and interpretation and improvisation that can take shape uh, for the, uh, the work to really click. And more just listening to your you know, journey and your experiences, you balance those two in your life, what you just said, the structure of your research and then mm. the freedom of your painting. 
Mm-hmm. So your whole, and even starting listening to music and, you know, switching to research, you've really gone back and forth between structure and freedom. And mm-hmm. it's so beautiful to see you integrated those two and you're so balanced in your life, in your, with painting and your profession, you you are really balanced in your life between structure and freedom. Well, thank you. And, you know, and balance is energy, right? It's energy that is balanced. (laughs) And, and I, it's something I strive for. I mean, it's one of my values to try to find balance in life. And that balance can take all kinds of forms, obviously. But in my own personal and professional life, that balance comes from this, well, I should say my professional life and in my artistic life, that balance comes from exactly what you said. I think you said it so well, you know, balancing the intellectual and the artistic, Mm -hmm. the structured and the free, the art and the humanities, right? I'm kind of at the crossroads of those two disciplines in some ways. You are. It's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, so more really helping me think about these these topics. That's great. Well, sometimes you can see things in others that you can't see in yourself. So <laughs> I don't see that in my own work. So oh, cool. but I really want to share with our audience too what you accomplished this past November in Venice and bringing to light music that had not been heard in centuries. It's such a fascinating story. Thank you. Well, I had the good fortune of being in Venice last fall for a few weeks, and I collaborated with the Venice Music Project, and it's an organization based in Venice, and the co-founder is an American soprano who lives in Venice. And so she and I and her ensemble and I have collaborated on uh, several projects at this point, several concerts, and two of those were in Venice last November. And um, one of them I was able to um, unearth, um, well, study three manuscripts uh, that we thought were from the 17th century. But through my own research, I was able to determine that they're actually forgeries from the early 20th century. So it was quite stunning to realize that, I mean, they were cataloged in the library as 17th century manuscripts, but lo and behold, they're actual fakes. Now, the music is authentic. The music is from the 17th century, but they were copied in these books that were meant to look like 17th century books, even though they were made in the 20th century. And so I had an article that came out about this uh, discovery. And if anyone is interested, they can find it um, in the Journal of 17th Century Music. They can just Google my name and Journal of 17th Century Music. Uh, And it was, uh, again, one of those kind of very um, uh, meticulous studies where I had to examine differences between notes and da 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 da. So it took kind of a life of its own. But then in November, we got to perform some of this music in Venice with the Venice Music Project Ensemble. 
And then there was a second concert a little bit later in November where we performed selections from an opera that um, has not been studied and has not been performed in about 250 years. It's an opera by Domenico Scarlatti. And we found the manuscript in Venice. And there is now a plan to transcribe the entire opera and get to perform it and to record it. So we hope to accomplish that in the next year or two, most most likely. Uh, But it was great fun just to be there and to do research and to work with musicians and to bring this beautiful music back to modern audiences, music that deserves to be heard. Yes, yes. Mar, I'm so sorry we're out of time. You've led such an interesting full life. And I know it will continue. And I'm just so excited to watch your paintings grow and, you know, what's next for you. So before we leave, um, can you share with our audience one more time where they can see some of your work? Yeah, so um, I have a Facebook page that is devoted to my art and to my work as an artist. And if you um, just go to Facebook and you type in my name with artist at the, I have a personal Facebook, but Facebook page, Marika Tacconi artist will get you there or simply Mar Tacconi art will get you there as well. Mar, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank my you. pleasure. This was a lot of fun, Melinda. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for being with us on the Frequency of Creativity, where we are at the intersection of energy and art, to see how art can energize and bring light into your life. Sign up for my newsletter at melindaparcurly.com. Now, today, walk in your own rhythm. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.